All right, so it's one of those days I was up there, now I'm down here. If you close your eyes again, I'll be somewhere over there. Um, we didn't plan it this way. This is not necessarily uh, just, you know, about, about Eric or, or, or whatever. This is about, you know, having a, a, a pastor on sabbatical and another one on vacation. And, and like I said, I just really wanted to be able to kind of spend some time with my family. And I, I think, I hope you were blessed, maybe. And here's the deal. Like, she's got, uh, she's got four other kids that, like, are just as talented so it's, it's kind of scary, uh, but we have a good time, and, and, we, and we, have, um, we learn from each other and, and, and have inspired each other, and uh, she's kind of va- vastly responsible for what you guys got when you got me, so thank her when you have the time. Um, my name's Eric. If you haven't figured that out, welcome to E3. I'm um, one of the pastors here, and happy 4th of July, and I hope you guys have... Um, I hope you guys have a great day of celebrating, and, and it just occurred to me this morning, um, kind of with where we're going, that it's really, really cool this 4th of July, 4th of July being the celebration in our, in our culture, in our country, of freedom, and I want to talk to you guys a little bit about freedom this morning, and I want to do it by kind of uh, spending some time talking about this thing called the Sabbath, this Sunday thing that we all kind of, um, you know, participate in, at least on one level or another. We come to church on Sunday. For a lot of you guys, Sunday's a great day to take a nap. It's a great day to watch some sports, golf, football, whatever it is, or just kind of hang out and be with family. And that is great. But I want to spend some time kind of maybe looking at the Sabbath in another uh, sense, on another level. And we're going to do it by just looking through, looking through Scripture. So I want to invite you guys uh, to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to uh, the first book of the Bible, Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to just look at the text. So the situation is this. Um, Genesis 1 and 2 is the creation story. And if you look at the way the, the, the words are written and the form of it, it's really like, it's written like a poem. We don't necessarily receive it that way. We kind of are so used to the words. But it's really written lyrically as a song or as a poem. And God has walked through the six days of creation, light, dark, earth, sky, uh, animals, humans. And then we get to the uh, first verse of chapter two. And the text says this. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he what? Rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it what? Holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. So there's a couple things right off the bat that uh, I want us to just kind of take a look at. We're kind of used to the whole idea of rest. You know, God does his work, gets everything done, and boy, creating an entire universe must be hard work. So he rested. It's the seventh day after everything he's done. But I want to kind of draw your attention to a couple other things that are, that are going on in it. First of all, it says that God declared the seventh day, not just a day of rest, but that he declared it holy. And the, and the word in Hebrew is this word, uh, kadosh. Everybody say kadosh together. 
Say it in a big, er, kadosh. Much better. That's the Hebrew word for holy. But that word can mean two, there's two different ways we can think of the word holy. The first way that you're thinking, that you're used to thinking of the word holy is, is a word that is just very, like it's supernatural. It's a God word. God is holy. Uh, if you touch something holy, you're going to get zapped into a million bits. It's this very sort of, you know, Mufasa type of word almost uh, in scripture. And that, is, and that is one use of the word holy. It's used that way. But there's another way that God uses the concept of being holy. And that is just when God declares something kadash, when he declares something holy, all God is saying sometimes is it's set apart. It's different. It's unique. Now, are those two concepts linked? Absolutely. But in this case, God is saying that this seventh day, there's not necessarily something kind of woo about it but that it is set apart, it is kadash, it is holy, different from any other day. And, and so I kind of contrast that with the way we think of, the, of, of Sundays. You know, a lot of times we limp into Sunday after five days of work, then a Saturday of yard work, and we do the church thing, and we're like, oh, okay, finally. And in a sense, our Sundays may be unique and set apart that way. But the Sabbath is, is more than just uh, rest. It's more than, than just a day to take a break. Holy is, is, is much more than just a two-hour nap. In a sense, uh, the, the Hebrews and the Israelites and the, and the rabbis through the years really came to understand that in a strange sense, we were made for the Sabbath. And in, and in a Hebrew, and in a Jewish home, the Sabbath is a day that is anticipated and like lived up to. And there's all these traditions where like when the Sabbath begins, because it's a sundown to sundown thing, Friday night to Saturday night, they light a candle. It's a symbol like this day is set apart. It is special. It is kadash. It is holy. And they came to understand that the Sabbath was so unique that they, came, that they started to use um, this idea that the Sabbath was a bride and that approaching the Sabbath is like approaching your betrothed. And that actually comes out of scripture. Uh, later, we're gonna look at, at, at Exodus. And in, in the scriptures in Exodus, God says you are to sanctify the seventh day and keep it holy. And the, the Hebrew phrase for, for sanctify there is this word here, Lekadesh. Everybody say Lekadesh. Now that means sanctify. But another word, another uh, concept that's associated with that phrase is the betrothal of a woman. And so they came to understand that the Sabbath, coming to the Sabbath is like coming to the marriage altar to receive your bride. And in that sense, it's like, no, no. Like we were made for this thing. We were made for this Sabbath. There's something about it that makes us uh, unique that we engage in. Now, most of us have this problem with Sabbaths. We come into Sunday very well intended. I'm gonna rest. I, I know that God says we're supposed to set up. I know that, but you know, we all live in a culture that pushes against us. And I was thinking about this. Uh, I call it in my world, 
I call it the tyranny of the red dots. We all live under the tyranny of the red dots, at least I do. You see, on my laptop screen, I have all these notifications that a lot of times appear as little red dots at the bottom of my screen. And those red dots, no matter what my intentions are, no matter what my intentions are to rest or to focus on anything, I get these little red dots at the bottom of my screen that say, hey, you got an email. Uh, Hey, you got to check your Facebook hey, uh, the, you, you, someone just posted a new uh, a Twitter, a Twitter post. So there's all these red dots that pull my attention out of Sabbath, out of rest, into another world, into the world of emails and responses. Uh, maybe your red dots aren't red. You know, maybe I think on my phone, they're green notifications. Oh, I got a new text message. And this is the world we live in, the tyranny of the red dots. So right off the bat, I want to say, like, if you want to Sabbath, you have to learn how to live in this world. You have to escape the red dots, as goofy as it sounds. And that's our responsibility. God says, I have given you this day that is a special day. It's a day that's made for you and you are made for it. But it's up to us to eliminate the distractions, to receive this. So what I want to do now is kind of give you guys some practical ways. And some of these things are kind of no-brainers, but I think it's helpful to be reminded of them nonetheless. So here's the way you escape the tyranny of the red dots. You have got to slow down. We get in our cars and we drive. Sometimes we drive a quarter mile to go get a thing of milk. To engage in the Sabbath, you have to be willing to put these things to work. And get out of your car and walk someplace to park farther away from the store instead of gunning for that, oh, look, man, I got the best spot. You have got to slow your life down. Get in the longest line of the grocery store. I had a very wise pastor, preacher, who, who used to advocate this all the time. And you, it, it will raise your blood pressure up to no, uh, no degree, uh, you know, for you to get in the longest line of the grocery store. But guess what? Is it really that important? You've got to escape the tyranny of time going faster and faster and faster. Another thing to do is enjoy art. You know, I believe that art is a manifestation of the the master craftsman. And so sometimes to just get a piece of visual art, a, a sculpture, and just go sit in front of it, turn your cell phone off and just receive it. Again, this is something you have to, for you're not gonna want to naturally do this. You have to just trust God and trust me. That, that piece of music that you just love, the record or the CD, whatever, put it on, turn everything else on, and sit for 40 minutes and just receive it. I forgot how amazing this piece of music was, this piece of artwork. Creation, absolutely. Man, just go walk around a park. Go walk around, walk on the beach, Just slow down and take the time to appreciate what God put here in the first place. Relationships. And we all have these groups of people that we can be around, that just we can feel comfortable around, that that give us life. On a Sabbath, find those people and be with them. Eliminate the distractions. And finally, it goes without saying, you have to do all this stuff by unplugging. We live in a multitasking culture. Let me see how many things I can do at once. You know, let me see how many things my phone can do. 
that there is a time, and I think the Sabbath is a great time to say, I'm not multitasking today. I'm unitasking today. One task. So Twitter goes away. Email goes away. For some of you who are younger, it's like I just spoke in like a foreign language. No, trust me. There is nothing that occurs on Twitter that you cannot tend to four hours later. Trust me. But this is what's involved. There's a piece of this that is up to us to say, you know what? All right, I'm going to engage in the Sabbath keeping this way. But there's a whole other level to this. So I want to turn our attention uh, just a few page, pages later uh, to when God revisits the Sabbath. And the importance of this is, is this. Before we leave this, I want to let you know that like, it's, it's, very, it's very critical that we acknowledge God did rest on the Sabbath, but he did not create nothing. Because on the Sabbath, you know what God created? Rest. He created peace. He created this word, shalom. That is just a sense of well-being. God didn't just throw up his hands and go, all right, man, I'm done with that deal. Taking a nap. No, no, no. What was created was peace and rest for us. But he's not done. Because in the book of Exodus, he revisits this concept of the Sabbath. And let me set the stage for you. Uh, The Israelites, God's people, were enslaved by these uh, folks called the Egyptians. They had a pharaoh. God heard the cries of the Egyptians and he said, you know what? I'm going to redeem my people out of their captivity. So he goes to the Pharaoh, there's plagues. Pharaoh's heart heart gets hardened. Then he says, you know what? I've had enough of these people. Get them out of here. So God takes the people out of Israel after this thing called the Passover, which was when uh, uh, God basically strikes down the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt. And God's people run out of Egypt. And Pharaoh changes his mind and chases them down, um, but they escape. God brings them to this mountain and he says, I'm gonna give you 10 laws, 10 things. This is a covenant. This is what it means to be my people. We call them the 10 commandments. They're also known as the 10 words because when God says them, the Hebrew is just like one word. You know, it's not thou shalt not kill. It's more like God just says, don't kill. Don't covet. Don't steal. Don't make graven images. So there's this very kind of succinct and forceful statements until you get to a commandment regarding the Sabbath. So in Exodus chapter 20, verse eight, God says this. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day, is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he what? Rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. There's a couple interesting things about this. First of all, this commandment is the only commandment of a ritual in the whole 10. So in other words, the rest of the 10 commandments are kind of like, hey, just don't do this. Don't covet. Interstate of your heart. Don't covet. Interior thing. Don't kill. Don't steal. But when he gets to Sabbath, he's like, no, no, no. 
There's something additional associated with the Sabbath. There's a ritual. There's something you have to do here. So he says, remember to keep the Sabbath. Don't work. It's not just a matter of cultivating an inner heart thing. Do not work. No one in your household. So he says, uh, there's a ritual involved with this. Furthermore, this is really, really, really cool. All of the words in the Ten Commandments have been translated into English. Okay, there's Hebrew phrases for don't kill. There's Hebrew phrases for don't steal. And we render them into English and they make perfect sense. Don't steal. Don't kill. Except for the Sabbath. There's something about the Sabbath, that word, Sabbath, that cannot, has not been able to be translated. In Greek, the word for Sabbath is sabbaton. In Latin, the word is sabbatum. In Aramaic, the word is shabbatha. It's always the same. And the rabbis said over time, like, why, why is it that this word can't be captured by any other language except Hebrew? And they started to think that maybe this is because there's something elemental about Sabbath that can't be changed. It can't be translated into English. And so therefore they said, maybe keeping the Sabbath is actually what makes you essentially God's person, God's people. That you can get to the Sabbath. You can't translate it into another language and you say, by keeping the Sabbath, there's something primal and elemental that says, I am part of God's people on this earth because I Sabbath. Now, why is that? I mean, we, we, we make following God into be a pretty, uh, at times, complicated thing. Sometimes it's pretty basic, but I, I don't think we've ever said, hey, as long as I keep the Sabbath, I'm part of God's people. It's because there's something so radical and so revolutionary that's held in the concept of Sabbathing. Now, first of all, I want to tell you that right here with the Exodus, that they say it this way, that the God of, of creation the God of Genesis and the God of history meet in the Ten Commandments, in the Sabbath. Because you've got the God of creation that says, hey, make this day holy. And then you have this historical act where God acts radically in history to save his people, to redeem his people. And then in the context of that, because they've just been set free, he says, wait, 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 wait. I know you've just been set free. I know you're on the run from the Egyptians. Sabbath. Remember it. Genesis, Passover, God says, in the midst of this, remember. So now they've met. What had just happened to Israel, they had just been set free from being slaves. They had just been set free from hundreds of years of bondage. And you know the thing about being a slave? You don't have a choice about Sabbathing. The radical revolutionary concept of the Sabbath is that Sabbath and rest is the privilege of a free people. When you're a slave, you can't say I'm not working today. But God says, 
guess what? I've changed all that. You now have a choice. And rest and freedom from work and freedom from the things that pull your attention every which way is now your right because God says, I have freed you. Not just from physical work, but God says, it, it goes further than that. You are free from having to strive for significance from your work. How many people work seven days a week? How many people check your work email on a Sunday? Guess what? There's a thing about God that says, no, no, guess what? You are a free person now. You don't have to do that now. Sabbath means you can now rest. Passover means you are out of Egypt. You don't have to work anymore. And Jesus knew this, and he started his ministry by reminding the world and everybody who was around of this. He started his ministry this way. He's a young boy. He goes to the synagogue, and the scripture says this in Luke chapter 4, that he unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he found where this was written, and he read this out loud in everybody's presence. And this is what I call, Jesus tells everybody his agenda. He's come here for, to do some specific things. And the gospel of Luke says, this is what it is. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready, church? Jesus is about to tell you what he's going to do. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the, he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, and that the oppressed will be set. Ah. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So Jesus says that our God is still a freedom God. And that the Sabbath is the way that you say, you know what? I acknowledge that our God is a freedom God. So I will put away my work. I will stop from my striving. And I will rest in the presence of God that just asked me to be his child. Don't do anything for me, God says. Just rest, just Sabbath, because you've been set free. One of my favorite gospel singers says, our God is a freedom God. He's a 100% freedom God, not a 99% freedom God. She says, I'm running, trying to get 100, because 99 and a half will not do. Our God is in the business of freedom. So at the end of Jesus' ministry, He's celebrating, in a sense, this form of the Passover meal that we call the Lord's table. We call communion. And he gets to it, and he, and he, he, he has his friends around him, and he says it this way. He took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it. And he says, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again till the kingdom of God has come. And then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Jesus' body was broken for us to be free. We're going to move towards the Lord's table this morning. But before we do, I want to ask you, how are you with Sabbath keeping, how are you? Are you free this morning? 
because God has come to say from Genesis to Exodus to Jesus to Revelation, you can stop working now. Rest is the privilege of a free people and Jesus sets you free. So we come to the communion table with freedom. We come as a proclamation today to say, I am a free person. And I participate in this to remind myself that I've been set free. Free from my past. Free from working for significance. Free from doubt. Free to live into the wide open spaces of God's great love. Is that good news? Let me pray for you guys. God, the concept of the Sabbath was revolutionary from the time you created it till now. God, forgive us our striving. Forgive us our distractions. Forgive us from living under the tyranny of the red dots. And God, help us to understand that rest is a revolutionary, countercultural act. For we are a free, redeemed people, and we're going to rest like nobody's business. Help us to do that in your name. Amen. We're going to come to the table a bit differently today. Normally there's tables up here and we just kind of set you guys free to to come up. Uh, But I was talking actually with Trace a few weeks ago and he said, you know, I think we should think about doing communion in a different way. And so we're gonna do a slightly different tradition than what we have done before. We're gonna do this thing called intinction. And let me just explain what that is. Uh, There's gonna be servers around the room. They're gonna have the, the bread, they're gonna have the cup. You're gonna go take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Just as a practical matter, um, take a big piece of bread um, because you're dipping it in the cup and it's either going to evaporate or something. And um, So they're going to serve you. There's a little bit more high touch than what we're used to doing. And I just invite you guys to come. Uh, my sister and Sarah are going to sing a song. Come as God leads you. Come as you are ready to appropriate the freedom and know that this act is a reminder of God's revolutionary love for you that says, don't work anymore. I love you just the way you are. Don't strive. You're free people. I'm gonna read these words and then the table will be open. We invite you to this sacred table and come, not because you must but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but come because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of God's mercy and help. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the Spirit. The table is open. Um, Rest and come as God leads you.
Wow. <laughs>